Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Wisdom Extra podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange and the last of our weekly bumper World Cup shows. Over the last six weeks, you've heard expert opinion, wild speculation and much else in between, but now it gets serious. On Tuesday, India will take on New Zealand at Old Trafford in the first semi-final of the 2019 Men's Cricket World Cup before England and Australia face off two days later at Edgbaston. Joining me today to look forward to those matches, I have three guests alongside me. First, fresh off the plane from Ibiza, it's the returning Phil Walker, Wisdom Cricket Monthly's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome, Phil. Yeah, afternoon, Joe. Thank you for that. Next, we have another familiar voice. It's Daniel Norcross of Test Match Special. Hello, 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 Joe. Great to be back, especially with the cricket on right out in front of us. And finally, over from Oz and appearing for the first time on the show, a very warm welcome to Adam Holyoke, the last and only England captain to win a 50-over global trophy. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Hey, good to be here, Good guys. to be back home here at the Oval. Always good to be back here at the Oval. It's um, fantastic, actually. I went to, they, they named the gate here after me, which I didn't even know. I'd, <laughs> I thought I'd forgotten it because I've had a few too many um, boxing fights. So, And then I, I asked about it. I said, oh, no, it's been up there for a couple of years. We just haven't officially opened it. So I feel very honoured and very um, pleased to be back at, the, at my home. Why haven't they officially opened it? Surely this is a time, right? What was that? I'm not sure if, what, if you mean that metaphorically or, or that it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure it does actually open. It looks, yeah. like, it looks like one they just use in case of emergency or something. It's not like, it's not like the Alex when all Stewart else gates. Fails open the, the, the evacuation gate. Yeah, it's yeah. the evacuation gate, I think. Yeah. All right, we start the show by uh, picking out something we've learned from the previous week. Uh, you've already given us one thing. Uh, what else have you learned from this last week? So I think I've learned that the England are a far better side with um, Jason Roy in it. Uh, my suspicions were aroused sort of earlier in the tournament when they didn't right have that dangerous feel about them at the top of the order. And um, and then, you know, I thought, well, they're really missing Jason Roy. And obviously Alex Hales, I thought, was another one that obviously he's been missing for other reasons. But um, when Jason's come back, it's literally totally transformed the the whole side, really, which you don't really associate with. Uh, it's just like giving Bearstow a lease of life and... And kick-started the whole thing, and it's got things going as they were pre the hiccup in the World Cup. There was a flatness to them, particularly in that Australia game uh, at Lords when Jane Vince had come in, that we just weren't used to seeing the England that we, we usually see at the start of an yeah, inning. It's just like, he's like intimidating, isn't he? He's intimidating. He's 
He's like a big guy, stands, he's got good like body language and like all Surrey players. Some people some people might call it a strut. <laughs> and um yeah, he just he just gives that England side just a little dangerous look. And I think bowlers get a little bit nervous when they're bowling at him and, and that's just a nice start for England to get off to, I think. And it seems to have had a really good effect on, on Bairstow as well, who hadn't been struggling, but then you hit those two big hundreds and two massive games for England. Yeah, you don't know if that's um, coincidence or maybe the wickets have just been better since J-Roy's come back or whatever it is. But yeah, Bairstow, maybe it's a familiarity. of the. I mean, there's so many questions in cricket, isn't there? But the two of them have definitely looked and made it feel different since they've been back. And sometimes also with um, guys like that, it's like when I used to bat with Alastair Brown. I mean, obviously, this is just talking Surrey. I'm not talking World Cups or anything like that. But there was never that pressure on you. So maybe Johnny can just relax and play his game. When J-Roy is not there, maybe he feels he has to be the enforcer. And then sometimes when you're trying to force things, the opposite happens. So, um, yeah, they could be... I think they're just it's comfortable. I mean, they've played together for the years leading up to that. It was a settled partnership for at least a year. So um, I think in stressful and um, pressure situations we like to go back to familiarity so obviously familiar and comfortable with that partnership what have you made of the, uh, this Australian side in this tournament have they surprised you by how far they've gone they weren't exactly considered among the front runners at the start no um, they weren't and um, I was fortunate enough I'm, I'm doing a degree in sports psychology at the moment and I was doing that at the uh, location where the Australians played three unofficial behind the scenes one day internationals versus New Zealand leading over to here and based their camp and pre-tournament camp leading up to here. And um, Justin Lang is somebody who I grew up with in Perth and I know very well. And um, so he asked me to come down and, and have a look and see what I could see. And his words to me, which were, uh, were quite chilling, actually, he said, um, and he's not a, not a big talking guy. He's like, I like where we are. He said, I don't think anyone's going to see us coming. And I was like, and the way he said it, like with those cold eyes, I was like, I was like, and I watched the way they were going about their business. They were very professional. And just going back to what you were saying about their, um, their batting. And it does look like they're going too slow. Um, but it feels like they're almost playing a little bit of old fashioned cricket. It's like, I remember we played a little bit of cricket like that with Surrey when we had a very good bowling attack where you get, you get a little bit of an inner peace as a batsman when you know your bowling unit is so good that you only have to post a score. So you go out there with the intent of just doing what you have to do. Sometimes England have fallen foul of um, getting low totals by sometimes pushing for the 400s and then you end up getting you, you a low total. But it's like Australia, just like if we get 250 and above we'll bowl them out and that sort of breeds confidence and um, that looks like to me the way they're doing it. I'd be interested to see the sides in the semi-final if they just don't sit up more on Stark um, rather than if you just get through his over there letting him get if Stark gets Pfeiffer you're probably going to get bowled out cheaply but just sit on him and if you just try and take him for 20 then make Stark try and force for wickets um, try and push for wickets and you probably pick up more than that anyway but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, exciting, exciting place this World Cup's in right now. Yeah, just on that, I think you're bang on, actually. In the, in the warm-up game at Southampton, Australia, I think got 2-9-7, batting first and won the game against England. In the game at Lords, they got 2-8-5, 2-8-6, 2-8-7, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-8-8, 2-
and won the game back first against England. Yeah, they faded badly, didn't in they? Bo- in both English games. fans thought that maybe they'd faded too badly, but um, in the end it was a comfortable It was, win. yeah. Uh, and and the, in the game at Southampton, England were at one point favoured um, at one point during their, their chases. They were at Lords as well and have come up short both times. Um, and I think you're bang on. You do settle in as a batting lineup, and to hit that kind of 300 mark, knowing that with those champions, with Stark and Cummins and Lyon, who will surely play against England, especially at Edgbaston, where it probably will turn a little bit, uh, it will take some chasing whatever Australia post, unless England bat, bat first. And surely they have to want to bat first, especially how they went at Birmingham when they played against India. Anyone who wins the toss uh, is going to bat first for the rest of the tournament. And, and I think I think the, the numbers are showing that as well, right? I think like two-thirds of games have been won by teams batting first. Um, when England, um, the, fir- the first game I actually saw live, I was working at the uh, England-Australia game at Lords, and that wicket actually did a little bit, and um, the England bowlers ran up and bowled a hard length, like it was a flat wicket, and I think Australia scored 280. Um which I still think was probably they would have scored the same even if it was a flat wicket. Only difference was when Australia then bowled a more traditional length, that 280 became a very hard total. If it had been a flat wicket, England would have got them at a canter. But my point being there is we tend to go back to what we have had success with, and England's had a lot of success uh, leading up to this World Cup, scoring big totals, um, bowling hard length, and... That's when you get into high pressure scenarios, uh, stressful scenarios, we tend to go with what's comfortable with us. It's what we react as humans. That's what we do. We just want the stress off us. So we just do the first thing. And I think maybe they've gone away and thought about that and they've had to uh, have a good rethink about it. And that's hopefully that'll they'll keep that in mind for the semi final and the final. My moment of the week, albeit I have been in Ibiza, <laughs> uh, was listening to that game on TMS. I, I've never been as engaged with a game of cricket since September the 12th, 2005 here. That's the last time I felt as viscerally connected to a game of cricket as I did on that one. And this was a, a cataclysmically big game of cricket for, for the future of English cricket, the present and future of the game in this country. Uh, and I tuned, I went on a stupid bike ride in the morning in a 40 degree heat, uh, forget that and then I, I tuned in literally as Sharma was walking out to bat uh, with, with Rahul and was gripped petrified terrified for the next two hours three hours in a way that I haven't been about a game of cricket in well over a decade and when you work in cricket the, the sense of inertia and drift and so on it's hard to shake that sometimes because you are confronted with cricket day after day after day I watched that game with three mates uh, just like I was a, just like a school kid you know desperate uptight, anxious, all the rest of it, completely forgot that, you know, I work so-called inside cricket and all of that nonsense. I was just watching it through through terrified eyes, you know, like a like a 12-year-old again, really. Did, did, were you able to... It was absolutely hell. That's your shtick, because, isn't it? Because <laughs> not really, no. And, and it's... And it's yeah, no. I suppose it is my shtick, yeah. Yeah, but you know, but you don't want to do that, do you? You don't. You don't want to be. It's not about whether England win a World Cup or not. It's about whether people in this country are engaged with cricket at a time when it's largely invisible. So, you know, the only way that you can get people interested is through success. Unfortunately, that's just a fact of life. And if this team had failed to be successful, then there would have been at least four more years of drift. The next World Cup happens in India. It's not the best time of day for everybody. 
you know, it'll be a different time of year. Football will be all over the place. It, it, Adam, it, it, does the sort of now game never, still grab in you in the way that Phil describes there in, in Ibiza? <laughs> You'd have enjoyed it out Dan, there with me. Well, Ibiza <laughs> sounds good. But um, all I know is I hear what you're saying, but I was petrified for another reason because over the last few years with England becoming so dominant in one-day cricket, I've been telling everyone back in Australia how we were going to win it. So I was thinking... <laughs> If we don't win this, I might not have to, I might have to move back here and live here. I'll have to go back and face face all the Australians. Game. Well, it's not that bad, but my kids are not in Australia. Bad, <laughs> I figure I better go back and see them. <laughs> How do you see it Thursday? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you see it with a foot in both camps? Um, well, I got asked this yesterday at a, at a dinner, and um, I was like, said, "Well, I was born in Australia. I played cricket for England. So when people ask me." who's going to win, I'll say we are. <laughs> so it's like, a, no, I, I, I think England uh, will, will do it. I think Australia's played a conservative style of play, which is very un-Australian. Um, they've played a conservative style. I think England, when they played them first time, they didn't quite have their game flowing. Roger Roy wasn't there. They weren't firing on all cylinders. I think that conservative game beats that England that we saw at Lords. Australia can't be conservative and come out and beat an England with Jay Roy and with confidence and having come off the two wins. That conservative game won't beat England. Is it a, stra- a strategy then from Langer in Australia or is this the limitations of the players that they've got? That's a bit of both, I think. Um, I think it's it. you can't just say it's a limitation because they've got some world-class players. I think it's understanding that maybe that's they've got a bowling attack which is excellent and they don't need to push that hard to 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 put on a total to to do to necessarily and we we Surrey side was like that back out albeit four day cricket we were at a side where we knew that if we got 200 in it this is a four day game we got 200 we were probably arguably going to get a lead if we got 250 we're definitely going to take a lead. If we got 300, we'll probably win the game. If we got 400, we'd win the game by innings. Forget it. So that gave the batters a peace of mind and a reaction. And the Australians have come out and played with a peace of mind, knowing they've got Stark, um, Lyon. They've got a bowling attack, which is going, to, which is dangerous. And they're saying, let's let us just put a total on the board, and let's see you guys get it. It's over to you now. Let's see what you're made of. I think against England at that stage before when they played them. Um, England didn't play very well. They didn't have J-Roy. If they do that again at Edgbaston, they'll lose. They, they won't get quite it, yeah. Of course, we do have another semi-final before then. We've got India New Zealand at Old Trafford, um, a game that Australia might have been expecting to play in themselves. Uh, obviously, they let that chance slip by losing South Africa on, on Sunday. Uh, New Zealand have lost three games on the bounce. India just one defeat so far against England. Um, Dan, do you think New Zealand can pull off a shock and surprise India in this one? Well, World Cup tournaments are fantastic, aren't they? Because at the beginning of this tournament, uh, New Zealand were winning these games and you were thinking, well, they're not that good, but they keep on winning. So maybe they're better than we're giving them credit for. And you started to big up Lockie Ferguson. He's a very good bowler, very you know quick, strong, fast bowler. Uh, Trent Bolt, brilliant bowler. Started to think, well, the sides could win with Williamson and Taylor as uh, Nisham and no one else that's scoring any runs, a bit of de Grandom. Uh, now, you get to the back end of this tournament, you think, 
How the hell are Pakistan not in the semi-finals? They won four on the bounce. Once they've got their team together, they've got an, un an unchanged team for the last four matches and they've won them all and they've looked brilliant. And you think, what on earth? They were out here doing five ODIs against England. They played five games in the World Cup. They had 10 ODIs before they worked out what their team was. And then when they did work it out, it's a brilliant team. So the, you've now your, your mind is thinking totally different. And this is a pundit's mind. Adam's might be very different. So I'm, I'm thinking, New Zealand? What the hell are they doing there? They're imposters. Do you know, I'm not ruling New Zealand out. I'm, I'm kind of describing the way our brains have changed. We've we, we just been wrong all the time, haven't we? We thought the World Cup was going to be like this. You know, loads and loads of runs, 400 plus, blah blah It's not. We thought that it was the death of fast bowlers and they would just have a bowling machine. It's not. They were hitting people in the head at the beginning. We, it's appropriate that you should be saying this on our Betfair show as well. Yeah. So, so you were saying uh, I you don't think know. New Zealand perhaps have got more of a chance of putting off a yep. shock here than, than many people have suggested. Uh, yeah, I think the odds um, are stacked against them more than necessary. I don't think India are uh, some unstoppable juggernaut. You know, they have some average players who are not really performing in their eleven, just as New Zealand are a slightly lopsided side as well. I think India have a little bit more class. They certainly have more belief. Uh, they have more inbuilt arrogance. Uh, but I think New Zealand have five match winners in their side. Uh, Ross, Ross Taylor is, a, is rarely mentioned, but Ross Taylor is one of the, the best 10 batsmen in the world consistently. In one-day cricket, he's averaging 75-80 on the last year and a half, two years. Uh, Williamson speaks for himself. Uh, Guptill is a peculiar cricketer. He has pedigree. He, he never looks particularly out of form, but never seems to really get any runs. He's found some bizarre ways. Yeah, to he has. He's, he's been caught down the leg side a couple of times, and he's looked good for ten minutes, and then balls it up. Uh, I'm not putting him in that in that category. Obviously, you know, Bolt Bolt emerges there. Lockie Ferguson is class, uh, and his the wicket taking charts suggest that. I think he's in the top five. Uh, I think they have players who can turn over a, a slightly in and out India side. Um, I don't think they will win it necessarily, but I th I'm, I'm tempted by the, by, by the scenario. Um, and, and, and we're going to talk about the odds later on, uh, you know, with our little Phil and Joe race to the bottom challenge sponsored by Betfair. Uh, so we can talk about the, the ins and outs of it later on. Um, I had these four as the only, the only thing I've got right all tournament. I had these four. Did you get that? Finalist. Did yeah. you get that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. We did the show at the Royal Garden Hotel I had, I, right at the start. I had these four for the semi-finalists. The I, rest, the rest, I've stunk the place out. But I had these four. I, I, I had, I had three of them, but I, I couldn't bring myself. I, th I believed the hype that Australia had lost twenty-two out of twenty-seven ODIs, and I had, I had. The, can you believe this? I had the West Indies. After the way they've treated me in this tournament, <laughs> I, I was the same for as you actually. And West Indies, we'd got a bit yeah, excited, and given looking look, their side, actually, they, they should have done better than they did, and they started beautifully. Uh, yeah, I just finally. They're a new ball side, uh, New Zealand, and clearly India are a top three side as well. So whichever side wins that particular battle, the battle of the first 15, 20 overs will probably go on and win that game. If New Zealand can knock over the top two in that first 15, if Bolt can have a day out, as you say, as he did here, I mean, they were like 40 for four, weren't they, India in the warm-up? All right, albeit it's a warm-up. It was still packed here. They're still trying to get their eye in. If Bolt could have a day out, then, then it opens up the whole game. If India are one down after 20 overs, having batted first, then we may as well all go home. Adam, what have you made of India in this tournament? How have they uh, stacked up compared to how you thought they might go at the start of this tournament? Yeah, well, they, they, you know, they're a good side. I mean, Coley's... Good, isn't he? He's, I, I, I mean, I never thought I would see someone that I thought was better than Tendulkar. Um, 
I'm still not sure whether it is the longevity question needs to be answered, but uh, I'm now the technical batting coach for uh, for Queensland, and inadvertently I hadn't watched that much of Coley play. I'd been coaching, and then all of a sudden I went and started watching Coley, and technically he's perfect. He's perfect. It's like I never saw Bradman play. Um, I, by all accounts, he wasn't perfect, but he was he was brilliant. But um, yeah, I mean. They're they're a good side. There's a total. What the fascinating thing about these two games, and I know you've asked me a question about India. The fascinating thing about this game to me is this like the Rocky Balboa story. This is um, the a country with 1.2 billion people um, against a country with well, I don't know what they've got six million or something like that. Six million. Who don't they've got nothing else to do though, Adam. Honestly, they do nothing. They play a bit of rugby. They appear in the Brokenwood Mysteries, which shear, has a cast of 10. Sheep. They shear sheep. They yeah. play sport. I mean, yeah. Indians have actually got to like, make a living. Well, the thing is, I'm not... Well, well, you say that, but I think more Indians... I mean, I know the population is bigger, but I think the obsession with cricket in India is, is bigger as well. So it, the, Kiwi, the Kiwis are obsessed with rugby union. Um, but and Williamson said to me, all the Black Cups are basically failed uh, rugby players. Basically. They either weren't... Big enough or yeah, strong enough. That's exactly right. So it's fascinating in that these guys have to be the pound for pound best cricket yeah. nation ever. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm talking about how many semi finals have they made over the years? They made a World Cup final. They've, this is a country with a tiny population, which isn't even their national sport. It's like incredible, really. So, yet you've got a country with 1.2 billion whose country it is their national sport. So you've literally got this giant versus this minnow. Yeah, so it shouldn't be a match, It should really. be a mismatch. In, in fighting terms, it's, you know... Iceland Anthony, beat England in the football. It's like Anthony Joshua fighting Danny DeVito. It's like... <laughs> it's, um, but, but it's... Um, it, uh, it's, it's, it's a great image. I'm, I'm, I'm just dwelling on that now. <laughs> yeah, after his last fight, I'm not so sure. Yeah. So it's like a, but um, it's... I, I've actually... I am a, I'm a massive... Rocky fan, so I actually fancy New Zealand in this game. I think the pressure on the Indians um, to perform. I mean, Coley again, and his and his boys are they are you know they're used to that. They're they're rock stars everywhere they go. They're used to that pressure. But World Cup semi final, these guys, these New Zealanders, they just turn up and they just find a way of of getting things done. So I'm going to go against the the grain, and I'm going to say I think they're going to get it done. They do. They do also have an all time great in the making in Williamson uh, and w- when you do have a presence like him then it it brings up the whole show it, it, it raises everybody's game and, and Williamson while he's not demonstrative or egotistical in the way that the opposite number is uh, he is he is still a phenomenon really of New Zealand cricket I mean you know he will eclipse Crow he'll be he is their greatest ever batsman already pretty much uh, he's the hipster's choice. He's, you know, he's got a mountain folk beard. Uh, it would be not a surprise if this character uh, was able to pull this off and get into the final. He does need some help, though, doesn't he? It was interesting in the England-New Zealand game that both Brendan McCullum and Ian Smith said this needs to be a Martin Guptill day. That Kane Williamson can only do so much to get the total that they needed to chase down. They needed Martin Guptill to fire, and on that occasion he didn't, and he hasn't really done so far in this in this tournament. Yeah, you you're not gonna you can't win a World Cup with one batter, or or, or probably with two. But I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say something a bit heretical here because I I love Williamson the batsman, I really do. But his on-field captaincy 
has confounded me on occasion during this World Cup. He's made some unusual decisions, which I'm pretty sure the man to my right would never have made. You mean so, too conservative? Conservative and then suddenly and unnecessarily wacky. Uh, there was an over that he threw in from, was it Colin Monroe that came from nowhere that was pretty disastrous. I, I'm sure that all the players in that team look up to him because he's a magnificent player. But I'm not sure that he's going to... He's not Stephen Fleming. Let's put it like that. You know, Stephen Fleming was a guy who sort of was able to make a side with, few, with less talent and fewer talents perform better through ingenuity. And I don't know if he's got the ingenuity on the field that they might need to be that extra bit that takes them over the, the line. The jury's maybe out in ODI cricket and test cricket. The, the stats are bearing it up. You know, they, they've gone and won games of cricket and test cricket that they would on, never te- have won te- Tear me down, Adam. Well, no, I, I, it's, it's interesting you can say that because in that, I was again, I, I, I've done two games at this World Cup. One was Australia versus England and the other one was Australia uh, Australia versus New Zealand. Um, no, I did Australia versus England and Australia versus New Zealand. So, And in that game, if you go back and look at the, the records, Kane Williamson changed the bowling, I think it was 11 times in a row from one end, from the media center end whatever that's nursery end um and it was it was it was it was curious and I'm, i just wonder whether as a young captain sometimes you're trying to be inventive when the situation doesn't necessarily require it i mean i've been there and i'm not i would never criticize any international captain because i know how hard it is um but i just wonder whether it might be something that doesn't come natural to him and he's maybe getting suggested that he needs to keep because his attack isn't necessarily um, you know that um, well after different the, off the top t- three it's a yeah, bit it's, it's, it's a bit samey yeah. and um, I wonder if he's just he's just trying to keep um, chopping and changing and then maybe he just needs sometimes as captain you just need to let let the game breathe a little bit and and, and he yeah, that, it was it was curious captaincy I don't like to criticise anyone because sometimes you don't you're not out there so you don't know mm. what's happening and the best place to view the game from is we think it's up here in the commentary box, but it's out there. You you get a feel for things, and um, but that was it's not very often as a spectator I look and think that was curious. But in that mm. instance, I did think it was curious. Well, we'll see how that game goes. But quite a lot of positivity for New Zealand uh, in this room. I think more so than perhaps outside. And I'm going to come back to you guys shortly. Uh, I've got some questions from uh, people on Twitter to finish off the show. But regular listeners of the show will know that over the course of the tournament, we've been getting some tips from Betfair's experts. And earlier I spoke to James Butler, cricket writer and betting pundit, for a few suggestions for the week ahead. As ever, please do remember to bet responsibly. Hi James, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Two exciting semi-finals to look forward to this week. Uh, Let's start with India v New Zealand at Old Trafford on Tuesday. What's piqued your interest in the markets there? I seem to be the only person in the country that fancies New Zealand for this one. I know really? they've come off the back of three defeats, and India have uh, you know had plenty of success in this tournament. But you look back at the warm-up games, New Zealand did India got them kind of three or four down very early in that game, and I think India's middle order is the problem. And if you can expose that middle order early, they've got a long tail. And the likes of Trent Bolt, Lockie Ferguson, if he comes back fit, could have some effect at the top of that order for India and just curtail their scoring. Okay, and so we're looking at a, a New Zealand win for that one, are you? What, what odds have we got? 9-4 on Sportsbook with uh, Betfair for New Zealand, which I think is enough of a price to just warrant a bit of a bit of a nibble on that. 
So I don't, I don't think India are convincing. Okay, and uh, anything else from that game that's grabbed your attention? Well, I think if that does go to my script, uh, you can look a little bit further down the order. I mean, Rohit Sharma's been amazing five centuries. The top of the order has fired, but you know, Trent Bolt does get a little bit of swing there. The weather forecast for Old Trafford isn't the best, so there might be some overhead conditions for the bowlers like Trent Bolt and Southie and some guys that can use some swing. Um, so if the middle order does have to rebuild, there's nobody better than MS Dhoni, is there, to uh, come in in that middle order and try and restore some sanity to sure. India's batting. So 12-1 to 1 for MS Dhoni okay. is a big enough price, I think, to interest me there. OK, lovely stuff. And how about the second semi? England v Australia, obviously, big one to look forward to at Edgebaston on Thursday. Yeah, well, you're asking an Englishman, aren't you? Which is a, a dangerous <laughs> thing on this this game. But um, England at four to six. I, I picked England with head and heart at the start of this tournament, and I see no reason to really doubt them. I think they've had their wobble against Sri Lanka and Australia. They came back strongly towards the end of the group stage. Yes, Australia. They've never lost a, a World Cup semi-final, but also they haven't won at Edgbaston against any opposition since 2001. So yeah. it's a happy hunting ground for England, Edgbaston. I think the four to six is is fine for me on England. I think they make the final. And anything more specific in, in the terms of game details? Have you got a run scorer or what you take you fancy? Um, I think if you're going to go for a run scorer, you, you, you'd daft really for England to look beyond Johnny Bairstow at 3-1 to one or Joe Root at 7-2. to two. They're the standouts from this World Cup so far. Um, but the, a bet I do like is for a century to be made in that game. You know, we've seen plenty of centuries. The big names have stuck their hand up and scored runs during this World Cup. These semi-finals shouldn't be any different. Um, probably in either semi-final you could take this bet. It's a late 8-11 to 11 shot in the Australia-England game for a month to go into three figures. OK, and I think you had one other bet that you quite like the look of leading into these final three games. Yeah, this is more of a nibble, more of a speculative bet to maybe give you a bit of interest over the semi-final into the final. Um, but Rohit Sharma, as we mentioned, 647 runs so far in this tournament. If he's out cheaply and India do go out in the semi-final, there's a couple of ifs there, sure. which obviously make for the price. But um, Joe Root's on 500 runs at the moment. Johnny Bairstow's back on 462. Now, if they have stellar semi-finals and finals and England do canter through to Owen Morgan lifting that trophy. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that Joe Root could stick his hand up to be the tournament's highest scorer. Currently on the exchange, you can get Joe Root to be the leading scorer in the competition at 50 on the exchange. Oh, wow. Johnny Bairstow's in there at 55. Now, they're big enough prices just to play a quarter of a stake on there, sit back, watch the semi-finals and final, watch England win and hopefully pick up some cash. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, James. I know Phil Walker will have his fingers crossed on that one. He had Root at the start of the tournament hasn't been, hasn't stopped banging on about it for the last five weeks. So I think he's in agreement there with you. <laughs> yeah, I thought when he put it up, I thought it was a good shout then. So I, I think he's still got to run for it. All right. Well, cheers. Thanks very much, James. And we'll see how you go over the next week. No problem. And now for the Phil V. Joe Challenge, a segment of the show that is getting worse for me by the week. At the start of the World Cup, Betfair Exchange gave £100 each to Phil and I to bet over the course of the tournament. With any funds remaining being donated to the charity Chance to Shine, who had taken the game to schools and communities around the country. Phil, as we enter this final straight, how's the kitty looking? Well, I feel like we're stuck in Groundhog Day, Joe, here, but you know I'm going to talk about Rohit Sharma, uh, who is currently top of the run scoring charts, and infamously I bet on him before the tournament began at 20s. um, and so I'm looking, I put £5 on him, uh, so I'm looking obviously at a £100 profit on that one. That would clear my uh, 
overall stake for the tournament. Um, of course, as you say, Betfair gave us that £100 to bet to try and make money for Chance to Shine. So if that were to come in, that would um, make me break even. Uh, if, if Joe Root were to do something amazing and beat Australia and Smith and Warner were not to get that many and Root were to get a few, and if New Zealand were to happen to beat India, then Root would be in the final needing a score and England to win for the jackpot. The jackpot's 33 to 1 that I bet on at the start. Again, £5 on that one. Um, Root in England at 33s. But that is increasingly a long shot. I think he's 150-odd behind Sharma at the moment. So or slightly under, I think 147 under. So it's probably not going to happen. The other one that I've got live that's been running from the start was, was a fiver that I put on New Zealand at nines on the exchange um, when it was clear they were going to qualify for the semifinals, but it hadn't really been reflected um, in on the exchange so obviously I'd get 45 back plus my stake for that as well so they're my three that are running uh, for the tournament and I know that yours aren't yeah so, so you've got a bit of interest I, I haven't um, how much money have you got left in your in your account at this stage as well did you, did you know this uh, so I don't know exactly what I've got left in my account if these bets that uh, I've put on for the next game don't come in then I have 10 pounds still remaining of my of my original 100 okay uh, that I will bet on the final all right so what have you picked out this week for the semis um they're in that kind of five to one category that never really comes in for me but I've gone for it again um uh, I'm going for over over 15 sixes hit uh, so over 15.5 sixes hit in the New Zealand India game um, at nine to two okay now Old Trafford is a biggish ground. I appreciate that. But India are a big hitting team. Um, Pandya in particular. Sharma strum sixes for fun. Kohli's not really a big six hitter, but Rahul cleared the ropes as well a couple of times the other day. Uh, obviously, Dhoni as well. Um, and then you have Guptil. Now, if Guptil comes off, Guptil will, will clear the ropes. De Grandhom as well in the middle order. Jimmy Neesham hits a big ball. Mm. And Ross Taylor can slap it as well over mid-wicket. Uh, so, and we saw a ton of sixes at um, Old Trafford and England-Afghanistan game earlier in, in the competition we did. as well. We, we, exactly that. So, so I'm, I'm going for that one. It's a bit of a punt. It, it, it's fair at 9-2. to two. Uh, But if it's, it's going to be a new pitch, so it should be flat. The weather's set reasonably fair, so uh, if and especially if India bat first as well, then I can see there being quite a few sixes hit. So I've gone for that over fifteen point five at nine to two. That's on Sportsbook. I've also gone same game. I've gone New Zealand to win with Williamson top run scorer at nine to one as well. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going on the odds rather than how I necessarily see it playing out. But you would think if in, if New Zealand are going to win it, then Kane Williamson is going to drive it. Yeah. You would think. So nine to one on Sportsbook, Kane Williamson in New Zealand, and then the the the, the broadly pointless long shot thirty to one, uh, Kale Raul, who's obviously in form, hundred peeled off in the last game, and Ross Taylor, who's brilliant, and India to win. So Raul and Taylor and India to win, and that's at thirty to one. Okay, uh, and England Australia, or have you just gone? Haven't even touched it. Just just on India New Zealand. Haven't even touched it okay. because there aren't any specials up. Um, Fair enough. On Sportsbook, and there's very little at the moment on the exchange as well. Okay, well, my I've got a couple for New Zealand and India. I've got uh, a little bit on Dhoni to top score for India. Not much because he hasn't been in great form and obviously India's top order tend to tend to get that. But I'm just going on the off chance that Bolt gets rid of New Zealand, uh, India's top order. 
Andoni ends up getting 70, 80 and, and top scoring. That's mm-hmm. a 14 on the exchange, which seemed, seemed quite tempting. Yep. Um, five pound on Williamson to top score for New Zealand uh, in the same game. A 3.5 on the exchange, which is a kind of a safer bet in theory. Mm-hmm. Although no bet is safe, obviously. Indeed. Uh, and then a little two pound in India to score two runs or fewer in the first over. At 1.81 on, uh, on the exchange. Uh, I could just see... Sharma blocking out a bolt maiden, basically, first up, letting a couple go through. How much have we put on that? Two pounds. <laughs> Two pounds. <laughs> I haven't okay. got much left to work with, Phil. Uh, no, and I then I've got, I have got a couple on the England-Australia, both sports book. I've been banging on about Liam Plunkett being top wicket taker for England, and I've gone with it again, seven to two. Um, I think uh, Australia's strong top order, weak in middle order, potentially plays in the hands of Plunkett, who does pick up those wickets in the middle overs. So mm-hmm. seven to two, I think, is reasonable. And my other one, more of an outside bet, Alex Carey at 10-1 to 1 on Sportsbook to be Australian run scorer. Uh, now that was, Carey batted brilliantly against South Africa, absolutely out of his boots, looked like he might win them a game which they shouldn't have been anywhere near. Uh, so in that scenario, that's basically a comfortable England win. Australia's top order doesn't come off, Carey's the one that gets some runs for Australia. I hope that one 10 comes to 1. In. Yeah, so we're all hoping that one comes in. Uh, and that's the lot. So uh, Are you going to bet on the final if you've still got some left in the Yeah, I will, I will do. I yeah, will do. So I, I have £10 back to throw at the final if all else fails. But I've got 15 left as well. Despite okay. However these bets go, I've got 15 left to use on the final. All right, bring it on. Okay, cheers, Phil. Thank you. Before we finish up, a few people have got in touch via Twitter with some questions. I have a Jonathan Raimondi who tweets, any early shouts on the Old Trafford pitch tomorrow, please? I think if it's a decent track, perfect for NZ, written off by everyone, nothing to lose, and other cliches. I honestly think they'll do them. Well, we've answered that. What we haven't answered is is uh, shouts on the track, and I'm afraid I can't advise. Uh, Adam, you're you're probably better placed to anticipate the pitch at the Old, Tra- at Old Trafford. Well, I mean, I guess all you can go on is, is history, really. Um, historically, it's got a bit of pace in it, but can rough up and can deteriorate a little bit, a bit scratchy. But um, I don't know. You guys are talking about being a far far away from Old Trafford I live in Australia so it's like that's about as far away from Old Trafford as you can get so I can't really help you out there I, I, I do think that it, look it's not going to be a terror track and it's not going to be a run fest and that might really suit the side that wins the toss and will bat first yeah. so if New Zealand do do that and I think you know for fans of close finishes you want New Zealand to win the toss tomorrow yeah. you want to equalise that 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 disparity and we could end up with a thriller if New Zealand do and they put 260, 270 on the board Thanks so much for joining us uh, today Adam uh, and Dan of course and Phil of course Thanks mate An enormous joy as it always is And Dan I think we're seeing you again on Friday uh, sorry, of the yeah. final Are we going to do a finals prediction? Who, who's going to be the finalists? England v India uh, Agreed England versus New Zealand for me Oh that'd be great Wouldn't that be great? Australia against India Oh Boo. Oh, I know. I feel oh, bad dear. about it. You've ruined the positive note now. That was a horrible way to end the show. <laughs> the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast will be back tomorrow with Phil and I looking back on that India v New Zealand semi-final at Old Trafford. Can the Kiwis upset the odds and reach their second World Cup final? This has been the Wisden Extra Podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange. Thanks for joining us and don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or the other usual platforms.
Social Podcast Network.